Can you tell whether that is grains and granules or powdery sachet? That's a sash. How do you know that? I can tell. I'm a coffee connoisseur. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Top marks. I can tell you it's from Aldi as well. Um, no, it's Nescaf actually. Nescafe. Mm. Well, you can't tell the difference these days. Nope. Lots of love to you, uh, <laughs> Nescaf. And Aldi, I suppose. <laughs> And welcome along to You Have Been Watching with Luke and Elliot, the podcast that invites a different guest each episode to choose some of their favourite telly shows. They'll be asked to pick four separate shows from each of our categories and a couple of bonus choices as well. Why, you ask? Because they've won our made-up competition to spend a weekend away at a luxurious travel lodge in the heart of Preston. Ooh, there's a cold nip in the air, isn't there? <laughs> Winter is coming. I've got my oversized hoodie on. Yes, as you quite rightly should. It's getting very nippy. Um, nice to see you, Elliot. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Talking about nips, I've uh, mm. <laughs> I've changed over me uh, me duvet tog to the winter duvet. Oh. Yeah. That's a big transition, is it? Yeah, yeah. I know it's something you don't believe in. Oh, this is about having a yeah, thicker yeah. duvet or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think that's a load of old crud, don't you? Well, just put another blanket over your top. Why? Why would you not have in this age of golden opportunities two different duvets, a winter and a summer? Is this an age of golden opportunities? <laughs> it is. It is. Why would you not have that? I don't understand why you don't just have one duvet and then when it's summer, remove it slightly or, or don't have it over you. And then in the winter, just... Well, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you could afford to have two different duvets that you can switch in and out, then, then that's a first world problem, I suppose. Yeah, but that's a, another theatric that people like. People decide the day that they switch the heating on for the first time. Why not decide the day that you switch your, your duvet to a higher tog thread? OK, what about when you get too hot in winter, which can still happen, say if you've got all the heating on and your winter blanket, what do you do then? Take your top off. <laughs> <laughs> what, you need to sleep vestless? I, I kind of... Sl- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you better sound like Ricky Wilson. No, not Ricky Wilson. Ricky Tomlinson from the Royal Family. That also for that of the Tiger Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the Tiger Chiefs? Not Tiger Chiefs. Well, Tiger- I'm, I'm thinking about Taylor Swift's boyfriend now. <laughs> Who does he play for? The Chief Tigers? The Chiefs, yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's on my Twitter, every ex. It's on my ex every single day now. No, she's not your ex. No, I, I know. It feels like she's gone out with everyone. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're, they're so famous. They're everywhere, aren't they? But people have, um, sorry, what, Togs or who? Taylor. <laughs> is it Travis he's called? Travis, yeah. Yes, even I know. And it's is not it Travis Pat- Brown? Or I think it begins rapper? with K. I think it begins with K. Ah. I think it might be Travis K something. Ah, well, there you go. Apparently, TV related, there's a really good documentary because he's got some brothers. And apparently, there's a really good documentary about the brothers playing for different sides and then they're meeting in the Super Bowl final or something. It's convenient that together they make a fantastic celebrity couple that's financially beneficial to everyone involved, isn't it? And great PR. Do you remember yeah. when she went out with Tom Hiddleston for about 10 minutes? Yes, I do, actually. I forgot about that. Didn't they kind of admit or half admit that that was perhaps a bit of PR, especially from Tom's side? I feel like he let that slip, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why not, eh? Why not? Harmless bit of fun. (laughs) Talking about um, winter and summer, my grandma's going to kill me, but she does that as well. She has a winter and a summer bod. (laughs) And she's 80, is Margaret. (laughs) Can I ask about the summer board and the winter board if it's well, not inappropriate? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that exciting. She's she's an 80-year-old woman. She's not, you know, she's you know quite fit for an 80-year-old woman. Yeah, oh, well hot. <laughs> and I, I was not going to make that joke. You did it as if I was going to get in there and do it. Well, I no, thought I'd do I it first to protect Margaret, you see. <laughs> um, but in the summer, uh, she... Uh, has a I suppose a, a thinner coat like a like a polar bear and then in you mean the, an actual coat no 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 as in um, oh, her weight <laughs> and then like loses a stone and a half uh, for the summer and then puts a little bit on for the winter so she's nice and warm and toasty oh like a sort of pup yeah it is isn't it <laughs> or like um, what buries underground um, something that hibernates I suppose like yeah. a squirrel a squirrel. squirrel we always talk about squirrels on this podcast oh do we god we're so unoriginal <laughs> Third third episode this series we've talked about squirrels. Is it seriously? Yeah. Oh, actually, I don't listen. Yeah, I don't. I'm either. not a fan of this sort of thing. <laughs> it's not for me. Okay, final thing I'm going to say about Margaret's summer bod or winter summer bod. Yeah. yeah. Did she ever get out the bod? 
to be shown. I beg your pardon, <laughs> young man. I feel I had to ask. Uh, or is it just for her own mental well-being she feels a little bit looser and fresher? And Are you different? asking if my 80-year-old grandma parades up and down the high street in a bikini? Um, not a high street base, necessarily. <laughs> well, I'm just asking, is it just for her own satisfaction? Margaret doesn't like sandy beaches, so no, she's not going to be getting in out. <sighs> <laughs> no sandy beaches found on sandy beaches. No, I'm not a massive fan either, I'm going to be honest. Of? Sandy beaches. Oh, it gets in your toes, doesn't it? Yeah, I like a, I like a rocky beach. Mm. Not to lie on, though. Well, no, I'd, I'd bring my own fold-out chair anyway. And how are you going to sort that out in between pebbles? Because it's not easy. Well, if, in fact, that's a myth, because you've got more space to jam it into, and then the pebbles form a, a paperweight on top of that. Yeah, right. I win. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week on the pod, we have Alison Spittle, a wonderful Irish uh, comedian, writer, actress. She's worked for iRadio, News Talk, RTE in Ireland, lots of stuff in the UK as well. Guilty Feminist podcast, BBC's Wheel of Misfortune, which she hosts with Kerry Katona. Spin the wheel to see who the co-host is. <laughs> She's on everything and anything at the moment. Um, and why not? She's fantastic. Uh, we love listening to her. We love watching her. Uh, we've actually seen her live before and we've got a story about that, which I think um, we're going to bring up with her. I don't know if it'll get a good reception or a warm reception, but we're going to do it anyway. It's pretty funny. It is pretty <laughs> funny. Um, that's almost like a coming up. So don't turn off. <laughs> wait till the end. Don't wait till the end. You can actually switch off after about the first 10 minutes, probably. Yes. Because we'll bring it up first, I imagine. Please do like, follow and leave a review on the podcast. It really does help the algorithms. We have been asked to ask you, but also from our own hearts. Uh, have a good one. This uh, should be a belter. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Listen and enjoy the episode of You Have Been Watching with Luke and Elliot, including featuring Alison Spittle. <laughs> So here on You Have Been Watching, we imagine that our special guest has won a weekend away to a hotel room in Preston, where all they can do is lie back and watch telly. They'll be choosing four of their favourite ever TV shows and we'll be hearing why they've chosen them and what it means to them. In and amongst all that, we'll also ask them which television personality they want to spend their weekend with and what they'd like to eat. Our guest today is someone who we just think has funny bones. Every time we see her on telly, hear her on podcasts, we just want to laugh. And we do mean that as a compliment. It's the giggle inducer herself. It's Alison Spittle. Hello. Hey, 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 guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you very much. Now, sometimes we say that kind of thing and we're just talking out of our arse. We genuinely, no. we genuinely mean it this time. We saw you, <laughs> we saw you perform. Uh, we've seen you a couple of times. We saw you once, and you might remember this story as you get into it. Um, oh yeah! Uh, but we saw you perform at the Moth Club once, and it was <laughs> it was one evening, and you weren't having the best evening with regards to stomachal uh, and bowel movements. Yes, I ate a bad avocado. I think so. Basically. Um, I buy avocados. I don't want them to get. I don't want to eat them hard, so I let them go ripe. But I let this one go too ripe. But I didn't want to let this avocado best me, so I made it into like a dressing because it was so sloppy. And then I came in to do the gig, and um, I felt a twinge in my guts. I was like, "Oh, this is strange." And then um, I went up on stage, and I could feel the saliva viscosity change in my mouth, which is a sign that I'm gonna get sick. And I just spent the whole uh, 15 minute set talking about how I was going to get sick, physically holding down the sick and trying to do jokes at the same time. And then I think I remember I begged the audience because I think the break was on after me. And I said, like, if you are in the toilet, please do not talk about me. I will be in there and I can hear you. So, uh, yeah, and I just vomited. And everyone's quite nice as a community. The audience were lovely. They'd get me tissues and and uh, I, I had to get some cleaning products because my aim is not the best. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to leave that for someone else to take care of. So that was a good uh, 40 minutes. And then I went up uh, to the green room. Yeah, uh, that that's why that, you were in the audience. It was quite. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got an audio recording of that gig. But because I was getting sick so much, I forgot about the audio recording. So 20 minutes is of just absolute chunks. Just uh <laughs> 
hitting the hit the back of the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was so funny, Alison. I'm sorry to, to laugh at the pain, but it was no! absolutely brilliant. Um, and this was a this was a Noctabag night in in Hackney, and it was the first time we'd been to to Moth Club, and you were one of the first acts. And I'm sorry for the impression, but you just kept saying a phrase that we use all the time now. You kept going, guys, this is not a character act. I'm yes, I shit did say that. I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever something is going bad for us, we always go, this is not a character <laughs> act. <laughs> I should, uh, I should get the recording of that, put it online, and uh, you know, leave it in forty minutes of just half comedy, half chunk. It was really sweet. But, uh, kept going, I'm never so sorry, sorry, guys. I'm so sorry, Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I wasn't able to stand up. I physically was crouched over my belly. And you, yeah, you couldn't do the punchline at the end because it was getting so bad. And you just went, the punchline summit about hand jobs. And Honestly, Alison, it was a real 50 minutes of joy, which I know would have been for you a lot of pain. But for us, you know, thank you, because that was truly hilarious. <laughs> no, no, it's like karma coming back because my favorite TV is when people are in pain. So maybe it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm being dealt that hand myself. <laughs> well, Like David's you. Dead is <laughs> yeah. the greatest piece of television I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, you do have to remember that woman did lose her ex-husband, <laughs> you know. It's... And David Geston's dead. Like, it's so much pain. It's fantastic, that moment, isn't it? We watch it all the time. It's so good. You couldn't write that as, like, a sitcom episode. And if you did, people would think that you it's too silly. And they'd go, no, that wouldn't happen in real life. Totally. It was genius. It's the greatest piece of TV I've ever seen in my life. Like, I could, you know, David's dead. David's still... Oh, Why would she do that? Why would she say that? She's sick and <laughs> twisted. That she's saying that David's dead, but he's he's in the bed. <laughs> and then he's asleep under the covers, so it looks like he's dead. I know, I know. And do you know... Incre- and he was, yeah, it was incredible. After that series, David Guest then did a tour called David Guest I'm Not Dead Tour, which then got cancelled because he died. Oh. So just to add another layer of brilliance. I would like to see, uh, like, if you, I would love to see a a, a dramatization of his life. I want to know where he comes from. I want to know about the marriage that Martine McCutcheon attended, where he married Li- Li- Liza Minnelli. You know, there's got to be so much detail in this man's life that I want to hear about. <laughs> My favourite uh, remix ever is of Angie Barry's Meltdown on that series mm. of Big Brother, and there's like a YouTube clip, and it's just one half of her going, you know what I want? I want Ollie Flau. Give me my stuff. Give me give me my shit. <laughs> I think you had it as your ringtone for a good year. <laughs> oh, my God. But yet, at the heart of it, someone died of cancer. So, you know. It all and then two out. in the end, yeah. Um, we've done a bit of lazy Wikipedia research on you, Alison. So there's a few things we just wanted to run by because obviously it's often untrue that you've got a pseudonym yes. on Wikipedia, Flapjack Lumberjack. Any truth to that? <laughs> so that is a pseudonym I have. Um, I, did this, uh, I used to do this podcast called The Last Post where it was like a, a year-long project where um, Alice Fraser wrote like fake news and you had to make up characters. So I made up a character called... Uh, uh, flapjack lumberjack and then on another podcast called the gargle which alice fraser also presents i said that i wasn't happy with my uh wikipedia picture because i think it's still there it's like of me sweating at pride and i i genuinely look like um i i look like a pug that's been shaved uh that's also being tortured <laughs> at pride <laughs> so um i i wanted to get that changed but i said also, you know, I don't know how to do Wikipedia. So if anyone wants to do my Wikipedia, go for it. So I got all of these different things. And I think the flapjack lumberjack is a thing that was was put there. Alison, are you a tellyhead in general? Do you get a lot of time to watch telly? I know you must giggle the time in the evening, but can you watch telly? Oh, all the time. I watch telly is probably my biggest hobby of everything. When I was a kid, I used to move around a lot. But the one constant thing was television. So I'm a massive, massive telly head. Although I haven't watched The Sopranos yet, which uh, I think definitely, t- but it's just so big. And I, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. That's just so big. And I hear there's a lot of and dragons. And I'm like, nah, not for me. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have said 
on a podcast, we can cut that out. Bleep it. They don't know what it is. But, they, you know, I'm just like, nah. <laughs> if we bleep it, it will just be there's a lot of beep and dragons and people will think, what on earth did she say? <laughs> I know. That should be the subtitle of that thing, though. Beep and dragons, Game of Thrones. You don't just watch telly, you've also been on telly. Can you tell us more about your starring role in EastEnders? Now, this was uh, Deborah, wasn't it, for a day? Yeah, so I played a lady called Deborah who's an annoying lady in a waiting room while Whitney and Zach were waiting to get uh, results. Ve- a very harrowing storyline, but I got to be a bit of light comic relief and an amazing day because, like, it's filmed in a hospital, but the hospital is in a studio above Albert, Albert Square. And um, I told him I was a big, massive fan of the show. I got a little tour in a golf buggy around Albert Square and brought into the Queen Vic and Shona, who plays uh, Whitney, took pictures of me doing the queen doing doing pints and stuff in the cafe itself all of the like the props are so intricate they have like not only do they have drawers but if you open up the drawers it's full of cutlery and cucumber like fake cucumbers and it's fantastic it really is great and they utilize every bit of space like you can tell that like with the amount of space they have they make it look 10 times bigger because on one side it could be a playground and on the other side it's Mitchell's arches and you just uh, it's just fantastic how to do it like it's really really good did you have to do a lot of prep for the role of Deborah did you find you're in a Deborah did they give you pages (laughs) and pages of a pdf to explore the role or were they just like go for broke do what you like I did a self-tape and I wore my Pat Butcher earrings, which are literal earrings with pictures of Pat Butcher on them. So um, I think I got the part. I think I'd showed them that I was a fan. And how I prepared for it was I impersonated my dad, who's an Englishman. Um, and he'd be, oh, right. so I was just trying to do that for the whole thing was uh, impersonate my dad playing Deborah. I remember, um, I don't know if you remember this, Luke, there was an amateur production of Aladdin near us mm. and there was this bloke who I spoke to who was this big kind of ex-army guy <laughs> who, you know, stacked and everything and came up to me and he played Widow Twanky. Mm, of course. And he sat down next to me because he, he knew I was in the biz, as, as, <laughs> as he said. And he said, now, I don't know what you do about your characters, but I sat down for about two, three months and I found my inner Twanky. <laughs> that's <laughs> great in an amateur production of aladdin i think what are you playing that man i wonder what it took to find his inner twanking well i don't know a lot of self-discovery that maybe he's left <laughs> his wife we don't know <laughs> but it's awesome like the early days in eastenders the creators you know they actually took on working class actors and the guy steve mcfadden who plays phil mitchell like he was um really big in theater what like he is an actor and why am i talking about this like i'm defending it it's not as if you're slagging him off or anything like that. <laughs> but like um what i love about east end is if you look at like a lot i mean leslie grantham r.i.p and sean williamson these are all people that have had lives before they like they've been in the army they've been in the navy they're they're working class people and it's kind of like it's kind of rare now do you know what i mean like the people that are allowed to pursue the arts are not really working class because the way the government is and everything like that so like eastenders is like a little shining beacon and it's and it's like regular work for job and actors why am i talking like this it doesn't need to be that but the, you know yeah, uh, but the inner twanky's amazing. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of a big up for EastEnders, and it was nice to hear some secrets from the set. I'm finally happy to hear someone else that keeps their cucumber in their cutlery drawer like me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds well, like a euphemism. It, it does a bit. He it. keeps his cakes in the wheelie bin. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> uh, my dad is a paramedic. He actually went to Steve McFadden once, though, and uh, he was in quite a bad way. I think he'd injured his knee or something. He's in a lot of pain. And um, they were treating him, and he was quite irate. I don't know why. And at one point in this exchange, he said, don't you know who I am? And, 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 and they didn't. And so oh, they no. Both, they both the paramedics looked at each other and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but uh, that's, I just wanted to balance the books there. <laughs> <laughs> we will not have too much Steve McFadden praise. Yeah, I thought there was a bit too not- much there. <laughs> Uh, you did Celebrity Gogglebox as well, Alison, back in sort of September with Kerry Katona, your uh, Wheel of Misfortune, your BBC podcast co-host. Yes. That was for Gogglebox Island. How was that? Was that fun? Did they do you it good was, in the edit? It was great. Uh, we'd used my sister Chloe's house. It's just got a house because I do not own a house. And uh, 
It was great. They they put like books in the background, so it made it look like we read. And it's it's really really fun. It's a really really fun thing to do. It's tiring. It's about like six or seven hours watching clips and stuff, you know. And uh, so it is a lot, but uh, I love doing it. Like it's been one of my favorite things, genuinely. Did they set up the lighting so it was like the evening throughout the whole single day? Yeah, yes. So they block out the windows and then they pop the lighting down, so it's all the same, you know. And um, you know the way it's supposed to be over a couple of days, so you get changed, and it's quite cool. I can hardly think of a better pair, honestly, to do Gogglebox than yourself and Kerry. Did you say anything sort of outrageous, or did you have any banter that, of course, didn't make the edit that you kind of wish in another world had? Eight hours of material. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know, like, um, I just had to explain a lot of Irish stuff to her. Although, like, Kerry and Brian McFadden got divorced, and I do feel like Kerry got Ireland in the divorce because Ireland loves Kerry Katona. <laughs> but I had to explain a few things to her that are specifically Irish. Um, and uh, just felt embarrassed. There was this dating program uh, presented by this lady called Twink. I had to explain to her uh, what Twink was. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun experience. Outrageous, nothing too outrageous. Yeah, it all made it on. They were good editors, actually. <laughs> You've been on some fantastic shows. You really have real, like, staple mainstream things that everyone knows and loves, which is great. Let's move on to, to some telly then. Congratulations, Alison Spittle. You've won a luxury weekend break to the idyllic city of Preston, where you'll be spending all your time in the finest twin bedroom Preston's Travel Lodge has to offer. It's common knowledge that there's little to do in Preston other than to sit in bed all day and watch television. We hope you have a pleasant stay. So Alison, we're going to whisk you off to Preston for a weekend into a travel lodge. We're going to give you a memory stick with four TV shows on them, which you can watch on repeat throughout the entire weekend and a couple of little bonus choices as well. But we'll get on those a little bit later. So the first TV show is a show that makes you think of your childhood. Mm. I'm going for The Simpsons because uh, when I was a kid, moved around a lot and like we live... We live in the Northern Hemisphere where the nights get longer in the winter and the, and the days get shorter. And uh, the way I realised how the seasons changed genuinely as a kid was whether it was dark or not when the Simpsons were on. So if it was dark on you, it was winter time, And uh, if it was light and you were coming into that summer solstice, baby. And I love the Simpsons so much. It's like my favourite TV show as a kid. I used to have the encyclopedia where you could look up like who the guest voices were um, and find out like so much encyclopedic knowledge about The Simpsons itself. And it's just genuinely one of the funniest, uh, one of the funniest programs going. Like it's still, it's still going. It's not as good, but I'm glad it still exists. And like, uh, it's just got such a strong, um, such a strong feeling for me. My granddad liked it as well. And I just, uh, it was the only program where, everyone in the family could watch it and get something from it. Yeah, we always look for things that mean a lot as well to our guests. And for you, I guess The Simpsons was a continuity because we were looking and that you've, you've lived in London, you lived in Germany, then you lived in County Westmeath, then Ballymore, all sort of in your childhood and in your formative years, right? So there was a constant continuity and that was those little yellow guys. Definitely, definitely. And it's just, it's just so funny. And also like Homer is an abusive man but he loves his family and uh, there's this weird thing of like it's probably the only program that i'd seen at that point which had shown good people doing bad things or people kind of definitely coming to terms with their failures and stuff and also you know a man getting hit in the face of a rake it's all just uh it's all just it's a fantastic tv show i used to love lisa simpson I knew that she was probably the least favourite of everyone's or Marge. And I knew that was because like they're women and they have to not they have to be a bit serious about stuff. And Bart and Homer can be silly, but they have like an there's an emotional truth to like Marge the way that she loves potatoes and she goes, I just think they're neat. And do you know what the other thing is? I got so much pop culture from The Simpsons that I just presumed were real like really in the culture like uh when mo reads out 
they didn't turn this for little girls. They were little women. And that's not in Little Women, but I thought it was in Little Women. Or Guys and Dolls. The, 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 the guys and Dolls. That's not in Guys and Dolls. Like that's not that's not a thing at all. But definitely when people have pointed out stuff in other uh cultural artifacts, I, I I've de- I've gone through the lens of the Simpsons first. It's got so many different forms of comedy, isn't it? It's it's got your basic kind of slapstick and silly and toilet humour. But actually there's so much clever satire and mm. uh, impersonations and parodies of other TV shows, as you say, that are in there as well. There's all different types of humour in this in this silly little yellow cartoon that people and a lot of people just think is, you know, just fart jokes, which it is a lot of the time. But there's so many different yeah. forms of comedy in there. And that's why it's so clever and, and beloved by so many people because it's just so smart in what it does a lot of the time if you're a celebrity as well it's such an honor isn't it to be parodied on the simpsons it really is like it's up there with kind of being on the muppet show kind of level mm. isn't it and the oh, stuff definitely. that the simpsons has predicted over the years i can't yeah. think off the top of my head but oh my god it's unbelievable 9-11 yeah. trump 9-11 deaths and all sorts yeah it's amazing and it's all, i feel like the simpsons will be used now when there's documentaries about the downfall of different celebrities and they'll just have the clip of them going they were in the simpsons they were one of the biggest people in the world yeah it's predicted so much and it's just uh it's it's a cynical view on the on the family which you know i don't think really was done that much before to look at the the family unit cynically and uh it's really great maybe it's because i'm older now and i'm just trying to like uh intellectualize my love of the simpsons (laughs) in a silly way but I just like it I just think it's funny I definitely saw the start of it at least every day because it was on Channel 4 and it was after the Paul O'Grady show which I watched Paul every O'Grady. single day yeah. which was amazing and some days if you know as a seven year old kid if I felt intellectual I'd switch over to BBC 2 and watch Eggheads but if I was having like a down day I'd stick and, and watch The Simpsons which was most of the time but yeah I remember seeing the start of it every day and you'd know from the theme tune at the start whether it was an old episode or a yeah. new episode episode and then you can decide oh I might stick around I might not I'm always looking for the couch gag and sometimes I like to predict the the episode of the couch gag itself and I know it's on Disney plus now you have to go out of your way to make the decision to watch Simpsons now when before if the Simpsons was on I would watch it and I would just stay watching it but I never made the active decision to watch the Simpsons so it, it's like it's like floating in a river but now I'm like looking for a river to jump into and it's uh, I I I definitely take it out in times where I need it most, where you just need that deep nostalgia, and to turn off your brain for a little while. Well, talking of jumping into rivers, Alison, you have a play out about wild swimming in December at the Oxford yeah. Old Fire Station, which is called Glacier. It's a dark comedy set at Christmas. Is that correct? It is. It is. I'm excited about it. It's like um, it's about three women who go freshwater swimming every year. They don't know each other at first and then they get to know each other and the audience gets to know them as well. And there's a discovery... I mean, there's always a discovery in a play. What's a play without a discovery? (laughs) They have to assess, really, who gets to have a nice Christmas and who has to have a bad Christmas. And it's a decision made by a group. So, yeah, that's that's what it's about. Yeah, sounds brilliant. And then, of course, you're back on tour with Soup, which has been a huge hit at the Dublin Fringe Festival and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2024. And you can get tickets at... AlisonSpittle.com. And if you're from (laughs) Pocklington or Leek, these are places I've never been to before and had to look them up. Uh, Have you ever heard of Pocklington or Leek? No. No, never. You're British people. So if anyone lives there, uh, I'm doing, for some reason, I'm doing a date in Leek and a date in Pocklington. So please come along. Let's move on then to your second TV show. This is a TV show that gets you laughing. I'm intrigued to see what this one's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot to choose from for you. Uh, So what TV show gets you laughing? Yes. So my favourite TV show uh, is a comedy. So I thought I'd pick this. It's called Pulling and it's by Sharon Horgan and it was on BBC Three about 12, 10, 15 years ago. I hate the passing of time, Um, (laughs) but I love it. Uh, I think I was about 16 when it came out and uh, I was I was watching I used to watch BBC three nonstop because I was a teenager and therefore 
but that that was a, a thing I should do. And um, I used to watch Monkey Dust, which was on uh, BBC Three, which is a weird, uh, very dark animated uh, TV show. But Pulling was the first show that I was like, this is funny, but also I deeply relate to this. And uh, it's a perfect, it caught me at the perfect time. And I, I really can't find a fault with it. I think it's an amazing TV show. It's written by Sharon Horgan and Dennis Kelly, who's an amazing playwright. It's just like a woman in her late 20s, early 30s that's uh, living in London. I lived in Westmead at the time, which is a very small uh, part of Ireland. And I could see the dynamics of her friendship with her mates in the dynamics with my friends, even though I lived in a rural part of Ireland. And it's just incredibly funny. It's just incredibly, incredibly funny. I, I I bought the DVDs of it. I watched the director's commentary. I just think it's amazing. They do stuff like they try and batter an apple, which is a thing that I would have done. Like, I love it so much. Have you seen Pulling? Yes, i seen it all in lockdown. Um, oh, I love Sharon you? Morgan, yeah. Um, we and the iPlayer. Yeah, yeah, because it, yes. it was all put back on iPlayer. And she just does not get enough credit, Sharon Horgan, mm. for, you know, there would never be Fleabag and there would never be all these brilliant, um, especially female writers, if it wasn't for her. And I don't feel she gets the credit she deserves. You know, Motherland, Catastrophe, Pulling, etc. She is amazing. And the dialogue is just so sharp and it's always the darkest most sarcastic piece of dialogue that you don't expect from her it's absolutely amazing i think in the very first episode the sort of stupid boyfriend that she's with he tries to kill himself i think doesn't he yes and her reaction is always the opposite of what you'd expect and her reaction is always kind of what the fuck and and she's just annoyed <laughs> because it's annoyed her day and he's in the way of her she's trying to do her carpet or something it is then- so dark and so funny the like first scene of it is where she gives her boyfriend a hand job in a kind of like a fashion that would say to me there's not much love in that relationship. Does he wipe the cum on a plant or does she wipe the cum? Well, I've done that before uh, <laughs> when I was a teenager. So I was like, this is amazing. I've never seen this depicted. It wasn't a house plant that I wiped mine on. It was on a, a dock. That's all right then. Which is probably the stand-up that I was trying to do at uh, at Muff at uh, when you saw me do comedy. It's just, yeah, it's an inc- the Hitler moustache, you know, when the boyfriend, he he runs out of, um, his razor goes really bad and he, he has a little Hitler dash and he tries to go buy another razor and everyone outs him. It's very, very pro- proto-cancel culture. It's very good. It's such a wonderful team behind it, as you say. Uh, Dennis Kelly, people will know um, him from writing the book of Matilda. Uh, and the team behind it has gone on to do so many wonderful things in the future that, that forms the comedy that we know and love these days, as you said, Luke, that without shows like that, we wouldn't have uh, the modern adaptations of things we have now that people love you know, in, in mainstream world. So I think that's yeah. a, a wonderful show you've got there. And you can tell it was done on the cheap. Like you can tell it's a BBC three. I still remember the name of the man who didn't recommission series three of pulling. I remember it steered into my brain and I was about 17 or 18. I didn't give a shit about the inner workings of telly before that, but I memorized that man's name. Like it was a curse. Like I genuinely, I, I genuinely, and he still works in TV. So, <laughs> but like, <laughs> this, and like they, cause they did like an episode to, to sew it all up, you know, at the end and the, one of the actors had lost weight and they had to address it because it had been such a long time since uh, since the TV programme was on and they were like, oh, what's happened to your show? Oh, tapeworms. And I'm just like, that's the greatest TV show of all time. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be a lot more thought put into it's just It's just fantastic. Sometimes when shows are cancelled, although it's absolutely gutting at the time, it makes a sort of martyr of them and then you really, yeah. really cherish what you did have. It really makes me appreciate the shitty later series of other TV shows that I like. So I'm like, do I would I prefer it died or would I like to get... If this is 80% less as good, that's still 20% better than nothing. You know, <laughs> that's a true way of speaking about it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think that was Gandhi. That yeah, I think it that. was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Let's move on to your third choice. This is your first bonus choice. Uh, this is the yes. TV personality that you're going to take with you to spend your weekend with in Preston. Who is going to be watching these shows with you, Alison? So it's the fictional character, Alan Partridge. I just think he's so used to staying in a hotel. He would give me all the tips. I would also just like, I feel like I would love to watch television with a fictional character that works in the business and see what his opinions are on uh, on pulling and on The Simpsons. And uh, I just feel like we'd get on. I, there's a, there's a, there's an element, it's weird to pick a real person because I might meet that person. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I really wanted to spend a weekend with you in, in Preston. But I'll never meet Alan Partridge. So that's that's who I would like. Yeah, I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be David Guest or the man that didn't recommission pulling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, David Guest, are we sh- is it a twin bed situation? What's the vibe? It is a twin bed situation. If you can push okay. them together, should you ever wish to. But it is a twin right. bedroom. It's classy. Okay. We have had guests that, that do quite often straight away ask if they can push them together and then they choose someone they fancy. But we had never considered that. Yeah. We thought everyone would choose plutonic relationships. I remember once I was romantically <laughs> entangled with someone who loved black books so much to the point that it would stay on during intimate moments. And I was like, does this have to... Does this have to be on now? <laughs> While very unsatisfactory things are happening in the middle of Ireland. So, like, I don't know. like, And that has put me off black books. I've never, like, watched. Not It wasn't a bad... He, that person wasn't a bad person. But I just remember black books. Do you remember when um, DVD menu songs were on and stuff like that? I've had so many sexual experiences to DVD menus being on. Do you know where it's like, yeah. And you leave the menu on for hours. It doesn't have to be in that scenario necessarily. But any scenario, like if if you were cooking or you were doing something else and you just hear the music over and over and over. Yeah. I I used to have to go to sleep watching a TV show when I was eight or nine. So I remember hearing hours and hours, semi-conscious semis, not of like some mothers do have them (laughs) over and over again. We're quite old souls, Alison. So it tended to be, you couldn't get off until you'd watched all of Porridge series one. No, good God, no, no. <laughs> Every night for, for eight months in a row. I swear you also said once that you kept you tried to watch Gavin and Stacey whenever whenever that came out. Mm. You were probably like thirteen or something, mm. and you kept you kept like watching series one episode one like nine times in an evening because you kept falling asleep or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have to start from episode one every time and go through it. So wow. so I've seen that so many times that I can tell you episode one and episode two of so many sitcoms word for word to the second. I can tell you what second something happens uh, and what goes on and what said it and who said it and who the actor is that said it simply because I had to go to sleep watching something. That's like I went to the shop. That's like <laughs> yeah. I went to the shops and I bought episode one, series one. <laughs> yeah. I went to the shops and I bought episode one, series one, series two. <laughs> and I bought, don't go selling in the whole farm. <laughs> All right, darling. <Dar, laughs> thank you. <laughs> See you, love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the DVD menu thing is is such a weird memory. I can think because we used to buy, we used to both love Doctor Who, mm. um, so we used yeah. to buy the volume DVDs. And I just remember that theme tune going on forever and ever and ever. Like if I'd be trying to finish some homework, and then my little treat would be then to watch that. And that I don't know why I didn't put it on mute. It was really it drives you insane. You can you can put that on Spotify for like lo-fi work beats now. It's just oh, the Doctor really? Who theme tune. <laughs> It'll get you ready. So what would you be talking about in this travel lodge with Alan Partridge? Is there anything specifically from any of the shows you want to talk about? Or do you just want to have a chillax with Al? Uh, I'll ask him if he's ever shagged Lynn or if that would be a possibility. I would ask him about uh, his views on the BBC, uh, Operation U-Tree. I'd ask him about that. His Um, time's coming. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Or who he suspects or whatever. In regards to the TV shows that we're watching, I would ask him about maybe about the commissioning process of pulling and why he didn't get a third series. He would know. You know, he's been through this many a time and he's bounced back. I think think Alan Partridge is my favourite fictional character. Like the books are amazing, the podcasts are brilliant. It it it's just like you know the Alan Partridge, not knowing you, knowing me, but his actual the late nineties BBC. Uh, I am Alan Partridge. Is it? Yeah, that's amazing. That's one of the best TV series of all time. Him singing Goldfinger while walking to a petrol station. 
is just cathartic and amazing. And also, like, that one has a deep emotional truth to it as well. You know, are we all are we all just wasting our lives away? You know, it's a it's a great, great show. I wouldn't tell him this because it would, you know, it would mess up his brain uh, to know that he's a fictional character. I pretend he's real. I think I think that's the safest way to go. I don't want Alan to think about him being not real and then turning violent within this Preston travel lodge. Like, you know, I want to I want to keep myself as safe as possible. <laughs> and as a character, though, he is so durable, isn't he? Like there is almost no comedy character that has ever lasted sort of four decades and just keeps getting regenerated. If you think of all the greatest comedy characters of all time, they've all sort of had their moment, you know. I suppose yeah. Dame Edna kind of never died until, you know, he actually died. But, you know, it's such a durable character and he's come back in so many forms and now the podcast and stuff, it's, it's quite incredible, the lifespan of this guy. Yeah, because you want to hear his take on everything. You know, any kind of uh, world event or... What Alan Partridge's view on vapes are. I want to know if he agrees with them becoming illegal. I want to know how Alan Partridge feels about the whole this morning fiasco. Like, would he step in? Is he a shoulder to cry on for Philip? Where does his allegiances lie? I want to know about it all. And uh, I feel in 20 years' time, he'll still be going because there's still going to be horrible. I want to know what, what Alan Partridge's views are on the upcoming apocalypse, you know, from the, from, from climate change. How would he deal with that? You know, where's Lynn? This is great. (laughs) Show three is a TV show that gets you sweating. So what gets your, gets, what gets, what gets your blood pumping? Alison, what do you like to watch? Drama wise, I like um I'm really enjoying this TV show called Winning Time, which has got John C. Riley in it. Um it's just been cancelled, which is great. Um, <laughs> so there's only two series of it. It's made by HBO and it's about it's about the creation of the LA Lakers. I do not give a shit about basketball. I've never seen a full basketball match in my life. But I adore the way that this series was made. It's made by uh, the lad who made the last short can't remember that uh, director's name. Oh, the big short. What do you mean? Oh, that's it. Big it, short. It Adam, What's his name? Adam McKay. Adam McKay. Yeah, very he's good. involved in it. Well, that's he? right. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. Yes. And they film on video. They use cameras from the AEs. The editing techniques in this is amazing. The theme tune is incredible. Uh, by the coup, and it's about it's about um how basically the LA Lakers. Uh, redefined kind of you know basketball in the eighties. Like because it's basketball and a lot of like black players are involved. There's loads of stuff about race. It's and also the culture of celebrity capitalism. Uh, because John C. Riley plays the owner of the LA Lakers, which is John Bus Bus or Bus. Uh, I think his name is Bussy. I I've got the word Bussy in my head, but I don't know if that's just generally in my head but it's a great great tv show also about sexism but it's funny but i also i just want to watch it every week even though i could google it it's the first actual ever thing where i've never been tempted to google to see how stuff pans out because it's based on a real life thing and often i find especially with documentaries that are on amazon or on netflix the way that streaming has destroyed the art of the documentary really drives me mad because they want to keep you for as long as possible. So there is a thing that could be an hour long documentary that's absolutely dragged out for five hours. And I don't care how beautifully you do it. And like, there's been loads of directors who've made really cool decisions, but it's been repeated and repeated and repeated. I don't need to see a good idea done four times. I can see a good idea done once, but it, but it is because, you know, big companies now own streamers and, and can control the way that people consume stuff and they want your time and it's a it's a disgrace so it is so but this uh this this tv show is really really great because it kind of made me it's the only thing that i've seen where it's based on a real life thing that's never i've never ever been tempted to uh to google it when you have Googled things in the past for other dramas, have you then regretted doing so because it's really spoiled the rest of the show for you? No, do you know what? Especially true crime stuff. 
Um, I don't regret looking it up because I find it weird that serial killers are now IP. Like, I find it very strange. ITV have always done dramas based on uh, real life murders and stuff. And it and uh, it's been, I don't know why, but back in the day, I was like, oh, this is fine. But now I think it's just, there's too much content. There's a woman that got murdered in um, Dublin. I've had someone, there was a woman that got murdered in Ireland about, uh, three years ago and now they're doing a documentary podcast on her court case and it's just like well, who is this for who's this content for it, it it just feels it just feels ever so strange so like uh it's put me off totally uh watching i used to watch a lot if it was based on a real life thing i was like yes i'm gonna watch it i will watch a drama based on the rooney vardy thing because no one died <laughs> do you know what i mean that's the way i am 30 years ago, there was quite a well-trod sort of path to sort of showbiz roughly in terms of if you do your apprenticeship, okay, it's never been a meritocracy, but if you sort of, you can sort of find a way in. Now, the route to stardom is sort of be murdered or do reality TV. And depressingly, that's kind of it, isn't it? Or even better, do both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's strange. I saw like a theatre that was in a, I was in a, a town and there was a regional theater there and they were show you know there's posters about pantomimes that were coming up coming up and uh tribute bands to Fleetwood Mac and then oh we're gonna talk about Myra Hindley and it's like it's such a strange thing but I used to be a really big consumer of 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 true crime uh but I at some point it's gotta be too much also as a woman I thought listening to true crime would prepare me for violent stuff that happens in the future you know and it doesn't like it doesn't it's such a nothing no one has ever had their lives saved by listening to a podcast about true crime i think i probably maybe anecdotally six people have but not enough (laughs) and there'll be a podcast about that next anyway yeah (laughs) yes the true crime podcast that saved my life (laughs) podcast (laughs) 10 part Okay, lovely. So winning time, super, super duper. Okay, we'll have to check that out. I haven't seen that. No, I haven't. I think I've seen it advertised once or twice, maybe, uh, from a short promo. But actually, I'm a big fan of NBA as well. Uh, so that's reminded me to watch that. Definitely going to be one of those ones that I go back and watch. Yeah, and I've got no interest in basketball, but I watched The Last Dance, you know, the one all about Michael Jordan a couple of years ago. Me too, yeah. yeah. And, and that was absolutely amazing, actually, just as a piece of filmmaking. Probably a classic example of didn't need to be 10 hours long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really but interesting. Netflix, I know I complain about them. They do have very good docs on sport. And I don't like sport. But I do like sport documentaries. I don't know why. To kill time before, we've watched some of the real shit, some of the real dregs, like the unsolved The unsolved mysteries, mysteries or something. where they've got four series. And this was a show back in the 80s as well that they've revamped. It's mysteries that never get solved. So you're watching something without without the relief. It's like you never get an orgasm of, of, <laughs> of, of, of knowing what happens at the end. So we it, never get to wipe it on a houseplant at the end. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's 10 hours of edging continuously. <laughs> On that note, let's move on to your last TV show. And this is your free hit. It's the TV show, perhaps, that you couldn't live without. Any TV show of any genre. Oh, yes. I had something picked for this. What was it again? Oh, The Big Reunion. So it's a documentary series that came out on ITV2. It's about uh, bands from the late 90s, early 2000s reforming and going on tour. And uh, it has uh, Andy Peters. Doing the doing the voiceover and I've watched it every fringe. It's my fringe uh decompress decompressant or whatever. And it's uh it's amazing because like these were people like Bewitched and Steps and not not it was Bewitched and um yeah, was it Bewitched and who else? Like I think, let me try Bewi- to... I think Atomic Kitten did one, like Liberty Blue. X, those kind of things. Adam Ricketts was involved in one. I remember Adam Ricketts hovering in a uh, travel lodge hallway while poor Kavanaugh was having a bit of a breakdown. And um, it's a great, it's a great show because these are people that I really looked up to as children, as a child. Um, and the way that like pop stars were treated, uh, generally, I think there's going to be a reckoning. I think there should be a, a, a genuine human rights trial in The Hague. Simon Fuller should be put up against the wall and shot. He's a bad man. 
And I don't mind saying that on a podcast. You can bleep his name if you like. Then everyone but... will think you were saying Simon Fuller and Dragons earlier when talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's too much Simon Fuller. Um, but like, um, genuinely, these were a lot of working class young people that were given the chance of stardom and absolutely chewed up and destroyed by the machine itself. And the people who are not fucked up from that time are the people who financially benefited off it. You know, I really do enjoy watching the show. It's mean-spirited, but I respect the people that are involved in it so much. I will never go through what they've gone through. None of us will. Poor Lee Ryan. Lee Ryan, Ed, is a great book called Reach for the Stars by Michael Craig. Do you know, do you know, did you ever hear, how old are you? 25. And how old, you're all under 20, you're, you're all under 30. Yeah, we're both so when I was a kid, uh, Lee Ryan was absolutely destroyed for uh, what the papers described as like uh, him intentionally being rude about September the 11th, right? Now, what I didn't realise at the time, what a lot of people weren't told because it was omitted, was that like Blue actually witnessed September the 11th happening. They were in New York at the time. They were filming a music video. They got asked about it. They were very traumatised by it. They all slept in the same bed that night. It was like, a, you know, they'd witnessed a horrific, horrific thing. And I didn't know that. But they kept getting asked about it so much that at one point Lee went like, can we talk about something else, anything else? There's elephants being killed. Like, can we fucking talk about that? Can we talk about that? And then the papers came out saying that Lee Ryan says that elephants are more important than September the 11th. And absolutely destroyed him. I know, I know he's after getting done for other stuff, but like the the context is so important. And uh, the big reunion is my guilty pleasure. I love to watch it. I think it's great. And I don't feel bad for watching it because I think everyone involved is fantastic. (laughs) I'm just like, I have a deep, deep respect. That's why I love Kerry Katona. As I like, if I met anyone from that time, from Bewitch, from Five, Samantha Mumba, anyone from that time, it is definitely because I see them with a lens of me being a kid and thinking they're the greatest people in the world. But also, they were used and abused by the press and the public, and I just, I just have so much respect for them. I feel like we've had a, a slight death in bands, haven't we? Because. I know when we were growing up as well, like you, boy bands and girl bands were just massive. They were the pinnacle of everything, even more so than solo artists, really. They were everything, like those Atomic Kittens and Steps and Liberty X and all those kind of bands. They were just, they were on every pop party and every Now That's What I Call Music CD going, always in like the top 10, because people adored and loved them so much. And when people became slightly less interested in bands. They really fell from a great height. They were everything. And then no one cared. No one gave a shit. So that's why a lot of them yes. had like breakdowns and stuff. And so the big reunion is the meeting up again, isn't it? Since since they've broken up. Yeah, so that's why. And uh, that's, yeah, I should, sorry, I should have explained what the big reunion was. Yeah, that that's what it's about. And like, also there was stuff like Bewitched, um, Bewitched Record Company was bought by another record company, a larger record company, and that's what destroyed their careers. Do you know what you were saying? Like there's no bands in, in, in pop music anymore, no pop bands. There's also no working class people in pop music. Like there are Nepo babies, there are children. Like it makes me, one of my favorite things to do is look at the big hot new thing that's there and go onto their Wikipedia page and then go onto their parents' Wikipedia pages and then their grandparents' Wikipedia pages and look at the war crimes that their great-grandparents have done or whatever. <laughs> Do you know, it feels to me that, like, uh, either we we use working-class people and destroy them or we just don't use them at all and we just... It becomes, like... To be creative and to do the arts feels like very much. Uh, I, I'm ranting now. I get I get so mad over it. But if you look at like Brian Cox, the actor from Succession, uh, in the sixties, like he came from very very poor, humble beginnings, and the government he went on a government scheme and did repertory theatre and stuff, and and worked his way up and treated acting like a trade. Acting, everything doesn't get treated like a trade anymore. Even TikTokers. Like, do you know these big TikTokers and they live in mansions? And it's like, oh, it's so cool because they can put like a a load of fairy liquid in their jacuzzi. And it's like, they own a jacuzzi. Why are we we financially helping them anymore? 
But anyway, that's my... Yeah, I'll stop rashes. No, no, not at all. You're totally right. That era was absolutely terrible, and it still happens now, but that era especially was terrible for people being treated like commodities. Kerry's a great example because she was really chewed up and spat out. Um, It's interesting you say that. A point I was going to make, actually, was I saw... So the Sugar Babes were on the Graham Norton show the other week, um, and they've known each other since they were, uh, like... 14 or 15. Yeah, 14, 15. Um, And as far as I know, they're just three completely normal working class girls that, you know, made it to superstardom, stratospheric levels. Um, And the love for them now they've come back is absolutely amazing. And it's not just irony. Like, okay, there might be a little bit of a a joke in going to see JLS at the O2 or whatever the first time or going to see... um, We went to see the Sugar Babes. Yeah, we we went to see the Sugar Babes last year. I went to see Sugar Babes in London. Oh, we went Uh, to see them in Nottingham and they did London this year, right? Uh, Yeah, wasn't it great? Yeah, they were amazing. They they sat down a little bit too much, but that's fair enough. They (laughs) got to sing, you know. But they never, they were never into choreography. Even when they were 16 or 15, you know? And it's really, really lovely. And obviously, we're going for the nostalgia. But honestly, yeah. it's really nice to see them surrounded by love. And I've heard them interviewed and they said that this is better than it ever was before because they can take a breath and they feel appreciated. And it was genuinely a fantastic show. It was a great night. Everyone there was there pretty much because they wanted to be there or wanted to relive those old songs, but actually had a good night themselves as well, which was which was fantastic. That was your first ever gig, wasn't it? Yeah. As in not last year, but when you were younger <laughs> yeah. the first time. The first thing I ever saw was the Sugar Babes at Wembley Arena. Uh, and it was a real wow. homecoming for me uh, to go to Nottingham for the first time and, and watch the Sugar Babes. It was a great night. Yeah, you had a little, do you fancy Heidi, was it? Was it? Well, I did like Heidi as a kid, yeah. That was that was some sort of an awakening for me. She, uh, really? She, yeah, she signed my album as well, Greatest yeah. Hits album, and that was that was yeah. great for me. Anyway, yeah. she's not in Sugar Babes anymore, is she? Yeah, she I, wasn't the original. I, I had to wipe it on her pot plant. <laughs> age nine <laughs> well, you don't know <laughs> thank you for that though Alison that, that was an interesting debate and yes so the reunion yeah. is going straight into your mm. memory stick of choice and everyone we know who's uh, in TV or in any sort of success their, their parents are in the industry we play the same game don't we with yeah, Wikipedia yeah. I mean I'm sorry Fred again very popular right now I'm sure he's a lovely bloke but he's literally a lord some of my best friends are in Apple Babies and rich people I don't care Fuck yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I say the same. Uh, you think, oh, it's another one. Oh, fantastic. They've done it their own accord. No, they're from yeah. money. We've done it again. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge it if we had some sort of system. If the doll was good enough that you could, and I know no one owes anyone this, but like when I was younger, how I started doing comedy or how I was able to continue doing comedy was I worked part time and I had very cheap rent off a man who I didn't know, but he just didn't want to gouge people. So that's my version of a, a rich dad. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't be doing comedy. And it shouldn't be that I was that lucky to meet a person who didn't want to gouge me for rent. You know, which is, you know, it shouldn't be the way. Yeah, we did a, a gig a couple of years ago um, in uh, in Camden, like a comedy night. And uh, our shtick is that we just sort of do pirates. Um, it's a sort of stupid character act. This is a character this act. Is a character. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at, at the end of the night, we weren't sure if we were going to get paid or not. We assumed not. And he was really happy with us, the promoter. And, we, you know, he, we'd done quite a good job that night. And he, he came up to us and he got his wallet out full of cash. And we thought, oh, that's that's really kind. And he gave us... A tenner. And he went, thanks very much, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next time we thought, oh, we might get even... No, nothing ever again. So that, that was as good as it ever got. Oh, my God. You should really be pirates and, like, nick it. You know, a horror. <laughs> and do some beep and pillaging. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to your last choice, then. This is the unlimited food or snack item that you're going to be eating throughout the entire weekend in Preston. It's all you can eat and it's all you can eat. Okay, I'm going for salted popcorn warm with minstrels on top. It's given sweet, it's given savoury. It's something I probably could eat the whole weekend. Do I get to pick a drink as well? Do you know oh, what? Let's say yes. God. But no, no one's found the loophole no, before. No, one's ever asked for that. So let, let's go for a drink as well. 
a Tango Ice Blast oh, machine in lovely. the... That's what I would have. It'd be amazing. What flavour of the Tango Ice Blast? Oh, you, you know, I'm going loophole again, baby. <laughs> uh, actually, do you know what? I did another podcast where we talked about drink, and I do love a Tango Ice Blast. It's going to be uh, watermelon Bacardi Breezer flavoured. Which <laughs> I've heard you talk about your love for this before, but they don't make them anymore. Is that right? They don't make them anymore. So I'm going to, you know, if, I'm, if I've got this magical weekend of press, with Alan Partridge I mean I could have got a Toblerone for him but fuck him I'll have I'll have a Tango Ice Blast Bacardi Breezer watermelon flavour with uh, some plain warm popcorn and minstrels and I'm going to shake up the box that's fine it's like cereal in the morning you'll be fine you know I could actually I could put I could put the Tango Ice Blast I could use some of that terrible little small UHT milks and pour it on top of my popcorn and pretend it's cereal <laughs> a big salted cereal over the years you've obviously experimented with your popcorn topping how did you come to realize that minstrels was the optimum thing my friend rosemary uh from school did it and she introduced it to me when we watched coyote ugly so i was about 12 at the time uh no i was younger i was younger because it was a 12s film and i was really happy i got in so it was like 10, I think. And um, she did it. And I've had it with Maltesers, but nah. Like, it, it needs to be uh, minstrels because it melts in your hand, not in your, melts in your mouth, not in your pocket. That was the tagline of minstrels. I've, I've put minstrels in my bra if I haven't had popcorn as a kind of on-the-go warm-up. But I have forgotten about this minstrels. And uh, one time I took off my bra and it looked like a newborn baby had shot all over my tits. It was just like <laughs> a yellowy, yellowy brown. Uh, it was quite disgusting. So melt in your mouth, not in your pocket, but definitely in your bra. Mel- yeah, well, mel- melt in your mouth, not in your pocket, but definitely on your tits. <laughs> I need to be careful then. <laughs> what, does it, what does it mean it doesn't melt in your pocket? I mean, that's just not true, is it? Well, no, but Maltesers, they're, they're really like oh, drippy, yeah. aren't they? But they're like, yeah. it's like a hard outer shell of a minstrel rather than like a soft kind of chocolate. So I can see why that comes from that. At this juncture, can I just say that actually minstrels are seriously vastly underrated. Mm. They're yeah, actually genius. brilliant. They're lovely. They're lovely. It's galaxy chocolate in a hard shell. It, it is genuinely beautiful. It's my, I and it. Not all cinemas sell minstrels. I have I have a pack of minstrels all the time, just waiting to bring it with me to the cinema because there's no guarantees in life, you know. And uh, I want I want stability. And you prefer a Tango Ice Blast over an Icy, which is the other brand of it. We're going for Tango Ice Blast. Yes, big time because it's Tango's got actual flavor, like or. You seen all of these different slushy companies like Jack Ice and all this shit. It's just absolute stink. Thank you to like, Jack uh, Ice for sponsoring this afternoon's <laughs> podcast. I think I didn't sponsor this podcast. No, 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 we really. can't get sponsored ah. for love nor money. <laughs> Never fucking heard of them. It's some shit. <laughs> but like, I some of these slushies, it's just like it's like flavoring used to live here, but it doesn't anymore. You know. <laughs> It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Okay, so let's read your list back to you. You are going to the Travel Lodge in Preston and you are going to be taking a TV show that makes you think of your childhood. That's The Simpsons. She's tearing mm. up again. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a TV show that gets you laughing. Uh, that is pulling. You've got a TV show uh, that makes you sweat. That is winning time. And your free hit is The Big Reunion. You're going to be taking Alan Partridge, the fictional character, with with you to watch these shows with on repeat and your food item is salted popcorn with minstrels and your sneaky little drink is a tango ice blast bacardi breezer watermelon flavor does that sound like a good weekend to you yes it does if me and alan don't kill each other by getting drunk with the breezers <laughs> uh, did you know great. that watermelon is the least flavor of any sweet sold in the world what yeah. Wow. They did like a, a, I don't know, I don't know who did it. I don't know if it was, it wasn't pointless. <laughs> I don't know which crowd did it. But watermelon is the least flavour of sweet sold in the world. Even less than licorice. Even less than licorice. Once the oldies die out, that might change. I think people that like licorice are entrenched, aren't they? They're like, they're in for life. They're like people who have yeah. fishermen's friends, aren't they? They're just, they're just sad. I, I, I have a mate that gets fishermen's friends delivered to his house. He loves it. What? what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he must be like the only person that's keeping fishermen's friends. Like, I remember once going to his house and he just had like a 
like a bowl of them, like a bowl of keys at an orgy that you could just like pick from. <laughs> There's a reason why they take them for seasickness. Because they're so strong and nasty. <laughs> when you say he gets them delivered, do you mean like as part of a, a grocery delivery? You don't mean like Fisherman's Friends. No, the van he, comes he around. seeks them out and he gets them delivered. Like, like a subscription. Via the internet. Yep. That's mad. Absolutely. I shan't recover. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I do love those fizzy watermelon sweets, actually, I've got to say. Even though I don't love watermelons Horrible. themselves, I think they're absolutely sweet. Uh, my friend Kima went to America and she came back with some like watermelon chew and go, love watermelon. Love the flavourings. Love it, love it, love it. Oh. Nom, 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 nom. How do you pronounce Alan Partridge, Alison? Alan Partridge. See, you say, go on. Alan Partridge. Partridge. I think and, I'm and, wrong. And how would you... Well, I'm not saying you're wrong, but how would you pronounce the place in East Anglia that played a yellow football kit? Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. But that's C-H and Partridge is D-G-E. Well, maybe I've just said it wrong my entire life. Yeah, I've always thought that was interesting. Yeah. It just reminded me. Well, thanks for picking this, me up on this on a public forum. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to embarrass you. No, I'm off. See you later. <laughs> Alison, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, really, really appreciate it. No problem. No problem, guys. Thank you so much. Well, this is not a character act. No, it wasn't. It was the wonderful, fantastical Alison Spittle. Wasn't she a good laugh? She was great. Talking about um, Tango Ice Blasts and Ices, you actually had your first Icy a couple of days ago, didn't you? We got them free. Thank you very much, Icy. Lots of love to you. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was all right. It's not something I would choose to buy, if I'm honest with you, but it was my pleasure to lose my icy virginity. It was okay. It was okay. It was nothing special. It kind of gave me brain freeze. But you love them. I really love them. Uh, every time we go to the cinema, I have a, an icy. Uh, that sounds like an ad again, does <laughs> it? Every time I go to the cinema, I can't enjoy it without sitting down with a fresh icy. Um, I love them. I think they're great. I think they're a nice snack without going straight to the hips. <laughs> I suppose ice does no damage whatsoever, really. It just must rot your teeth slightly because it's sweet. Yes, well, I can see it does 475 calories damage, but I don't know what that does to you. <laughs> they come in extremely big bottles as well, or whatever you would call them. What would you call them? Beakers? Containers? Uh, yeah, refillable plastic cups. They're very large. They don't need to be so big. Yeah, but otherwise you're getting minimal ice. Yeah, true. Although the issue is, of course, when you get to the last little bit, you have to let it melt a little bit more, otherwise you... <laughs> You're slurping it up. <laughs> that sounded like Alison when she was being sick in the toilets. That first anecdote. <laughs> She's got that on audio record. Yes, she has. Uh, I'm also aware, before uh, any musical theatre nuts uh, message me, I'm fully aware that Dennis Kelly uh, wrote the words in Matilda, and that's what I meant when I said book. I, I don't mean the lyrics, that's Tim Minchin, and we know Roald Dahl wrote the actual novel. Don't come at me, I know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Yeah, because you're in the biz. The book is the actual thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm yeah. right. You are totally right. I, I, didn't, s- I didn't think you were wrong. I, I thought that was good knowledge. Thank you very much. Really good knowledge. I know my shiz. Uh, you can go and see Alison Spittle on tour with her show Soup. That is in 2024. Lots of fun, lots of larks, a lot of laughs. If you're around this Christmas as well, you can also catch her comedy play about Christmas and wild swimming. That's Glacier or Glacier, depending on your pronunciation. She's written it. It's at the Old Fire Station in Oxford, Monday the 4th to Saturday the 23rd of December. So snap up those tickets if you'd like to go. If you don't, not a problem. Go see her on tour. (laughs) (laughs) That is all from us this week. Please do subscribe, follow, uh, leave a lovely review or whatever it is. Five stars, I don't know. Uh, It really does help the old algae rhythms. (laughs) Uh, And I think what we've learned today is if you are the commissioner uh, who uh, decommissioned pulling from BBC, fuck you. (laughs) Goodbye.